Welcome to Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast for listeners who believe that residential real estate is the way to build wealth. Hi, I'm Kevin Kennedy, a working contractor and host of Your Valuable Home. Your Valuable Home is for homeowners and investors alike who want to acquire and improve real estate based upon educated decisions. And I'm Ron Melk, Your Valuable Home producer and co-host. Our weekly one-hour podcast is not about doing it yourself. It's about hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. And it's not about flipping. It's about buying and holding to build wealth. Homeowners and investors strive to create wealth and financial freedom with real estate and avoid costly home improvement mistakes. Your valuable home is for you. The Project Replay made redoing our kitchen and bath trouble-free. Your horror stories have kept us from hiring the wrong contractors. The college segments have taught us how to keep toxins out of our home, what to look for in replacement windows, how to borrow sensibly against home equity, and more. College teaches investors like me how to freshen up my rentals without spending a fortune. Their suggestions are great for ROI. It's time for Your Valuable Home. Okay, Kev, what do we've got for a uh, replay today? We're going to have a great show this one again, because we, when you get to the horror story, you'll understand why. But with the replay we're going to be talking about, it's just because material today is so difficult to get a hold of. So the job shortage, a lot of people are calling me saying, hey, Kevin, can you help us through this process? Co-owners are uh, getting work done. The contractor's kind of giving the runaround a little bit. But I said, really, it, it isn't that. We're going to get a little bit more into it and how to plan if you're going to be doing a job. And this is great for contractors to, to get an understanding what, what we're going through. Horror story is going to be really fun because this is one that happened before and I'll be posting the picture on Facebook and you'll be seeing what a, another bad job is when we talk about this one. This is a doozy. And then we have, a, I, I believe, a pretty good college we're going to be coming up. What do we got? We've got Jeff Levin uh, and he's going to be talking about a number of problems that I've seen happen in this uh, hypersensitive seller's market right now. And he's going to bring up one that I haven't seen. We're going to be talking about that. Yeah, good guy to talk to. He yep. really knows this stuff. So let's jump into the replay. It's about one of the jobs where I've got scheduled. We're going to be coming up in the next uh, month or so we're going to be doing. And before COVID happened, before months ago, it was pretty easy to set something up. You apply for the permit a week and a half later. You got everything, the material set up you're ready to go, especially when you're going into framing, like say in addition, completely different now. Everything today is because it's shortages. so difficult to get material. Yeah, shortages. And it's been for the last five months. I You heard for years that we were doing radio. Even now, it was easy for me to do a job. I got done, four weeks were completely done. There's jobs that we started four months ago that aren't done because the material still hasn't come in from eight months prior to this. We just can't get a hold of the material. So what we're trying to do is manage as best as possible. A lot of the times today, what you're finding out is where contractors are overbooking. You, we're going to start your job. We're going to start it tomorrow. We're going to get it done in time. And but it, then you sit there, you know, with your finger in your ear when somebody can't show up because they don't have the materials, right? Pretty much. Okay. So what they're trying to sell you is a bill of goods. Everybody today is in about a rush. And I'm going to tell people right now, you cannot rush things. Uh, especially when it comes to kitchens, the job we're on. I said, you got to look at everything. I want you to exhaust your options. Uh, what are you looking at with the kitchen? Everybody's about, well, listen, I want it signed because they think they can get it all ordered, get everything together, uh, put it together in a couple of weeks. And it just doesn't work that way. Nothing works that way. There are so many more options and availabilities, even though the shortage has been tough on a lot of products, windows, lumber, kitchens have been pretty good. They've been pretty thorough about the 12 week lead time. There are companies that can get it a little bit easier if you go more stock, but today everybody's about spending money and getting that value. And I get it, which is perfect, but don't expect a contractor to be starting right away when they, when they sign the contracts. Here in Pennsylvania, they do require you to have a start date, end date, that I think is going out the window. They don't do that anymore because everybody's just saying, well, you know what, if we get caught in the jam, we're just going to blame it on COVID. You book a lot of projects well in advance, don't you? Correct. Because you, you're, you're like booked up as well yes. referrals. 
Okay, somebody comes to you and they say, we want to do a new kitchen, but we don't want to start until probably February of next year. So we can get on your agenda. Perfect. Okay. Well, perfect, but then you have to give them an estimate. So what do you do? Just scratch your head because you don't have you have you don't have a clue what things are going to cost then. And I just spoke to one of our sponsors that was on the radio with us. He said, how are you handling this? Because what's happening is drywall, lumber, everything's still going up in, in not four to five percent. They're 15 to 20 percent. So they've been going on certain items. If you print something out, you, you could be losing your shirt on the job. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was fortunate enough that I, I seen this coming back a while ago. And what I do is I don't even price jobs out anymore. I give them what's called a ballpark. Even on certain jobs, I don't even price in material because of the price increases have been so drastic. So what I tell them is, listen, my labor cost isn't going to change in six months. These are my guys have been with me for 20 plus years, Dave and I. So we'll, we'll give you that price and we're going to hold to that. We'll give it a certain time. You got to sign contracts though. But the material increases, if they start happening over so 10%. So it's plus increase. Plus, plus increase. increase, okay. There's nobody today that can do that because years and years ago, it was, yeah, if there's a 4% increase, it would be coming in January, February. Uh, and very rarely does that happen. But now it's been 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100%. And it's every couple of days. I remember going to a box store, watching plywood go up in incremental amounts. Usually $3, we'd be freaking out. Uh, they were going to go $15, and it was... Day after day, they were going up four or five dollars. I was just in the box store, and it was sixty-seven dollars for yeah, a sheet I know. of plywood. I, I was I was in the box store last night, and I look around prices, and it's just it's scary. If somebody wants to do what I just mentioned, like six seven months out, you give them a price, they could be looking at maybe a third more. Could be. Yeah, I, I think we're tapped out. We're getting to the point where it's going to be tapped out because what's going to happen is if you keep raising these prices, it's going to. Stop at one point. People are going to go, listen, I'm not, I'm not paying that price. They're going to pull back. The exactly. market's going to pull back. And I, I hate to go after roofing companies, but here, here's where I give people a scenario. Maybe about 10 years ago, there was a massive shortage, they said, on oil. Remember, we were paying $4 in gas at one point. I was a short Oh, we were going to run out of oil in like 15 days or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah so the that. prices went, they doubled. People were just up in arms at this. And uh, when I was talking to a couple of the guys, and I said, well, I, I get it. it. It's a petroleum-based product. You've, you've, you, you need the material, that raw material to make the shingles. Over the past couple of years, we had more oil than we knew what to do with. I'd never seen the roofing prices come down. They've been going up ever since. But if we have the, the raw material there, supply and demand, why uh, <laughs> the prices come down? Because people are making money. They're making money off of yeah. it. So I'm Absolutely. worried about these lumber prices. Are people uh, in the, the industry going to say, well, listen, you know, we, we've got a lot of money. We're making a lot of money off of this. Something called the pricing umbrella. It happens in every industry. And if they push prices up because it's really being caused by something real now, those prices are going to stay there. Correct. Unless unless the market dictates that everything falls back, which I, you know, it that's got to happen. Well, I look at it two ways. So I try to look at it on both sides, homeowner and contractor. So the contractors are looking at, well, if it does go up, uh, where, what that does is it weeds out a bunch of these newer contractors that, that can't afford to have credit or, or do a job because they're new in the company. So if this industry, you have a new company, are you gonna hire somebody that's two years in business and you're paying $100,000 on a job that's $80,000? So what they're gonna do is they're gonna to go to the people that have been around for years. So that weeds out, and I've been seeing this for 30 some years where this happens, but I've never seen it to this extent where the cost of material is through the roof. And that's the bubble I'm, I'm telling everybody it's gonna burst soon. I'm not saying in the home market, uh, we're gonna to talk to Jeff about that, but with the construction aspect, with the pricing, when does that stop? It's got to stop at some point because people are not going to pay these material prices. I'm even telling a couple of dishes, you know, why don't you wait a year? Because I think it's going to go back down. That's what they're saying. They're, they're generating. But 
Uh, don't count on being a massive jump down, but you, you'll, you'll so definitely see So what's a big price. builder do? What's a big builder do? You know, like um, a toll or somebody like that. Uh, they probably were affected by the same thing, right? So you go into one of their developments, you're looking at a house today, sign a contract. What happens then? Well, what I would probably think is that the house that if it started at $700,000, they're making it an $800,000 house because of these increases. There, no big company is going to be eating the money. There's oh, no. Casinos no. and all those companies, no. you think they're putting no. out money? No, they're, they're making money. You know, like the Toll Brothers, they're, they're a big builder. Uh, they're around everywhere in the country. They're, they're very smart when it comes to the building aspect. And I think that's going to be in their pricing policy that uh, if these price increases keep happening, because that's a lot of money they're spending more up and above that they're going to have to raise the price of the, the job. But we can't, as contractors, go to a, a homeowner who uh, is making on a set salary saying, well, listen, if it's going to be $50,000, I, I can't turn around and say, well, it's going to be seventy in six months. They're not going to do the job. That's right. too much money to eat. Right. That's what I'm worried about on my end for next year. I think this year is going to be good, but it's next year. So I'm trying to stay out a lot of the framing, lumber aspects, a couple of the additions I did walk away from. Because when I told the people this is the new price increase, they're like, come on, really? I'm like, well, why don't you call somebody else? Uh, they did call another contractor, and uh, <laughs> they told said, him the same right. thing, right? Yep, told them the exact same thing. thing. Yeah, well, I don't know how he could tell them anything different. All you so, have to do is go to a, any box store, and it, you can read the levels of material just based upon that. But today, it's it's just more difficult. So when you're planning the stage of a kitchen, what I would recommend doing is to make sure that product's in. And I've been saying this for years. I'll start your job tomorrow, but if the product's not in, it's going to cost more because I got to start and come back to do the job. So why don't we do this? Get your product, meet your designer, get all the product in, make sure the appliances are in. Because when you're doing a kitchen, four weeks, uh, if you're saying it's gonna be four weeks, about two weeks into it, you want me out of the house. If you're gonna wait four months because you're still waiting for product, you're gonna be really upset with that oh, contractor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm just giving advice to the homeowners that make sure your contractor has everything in place. What's causing all this? Can you blame it on COVID? That's what they are blaming on. I, I'm going to be doing a seminar, uh, listening on a seminar with some uh, builders and lumber manufacturers in, uh, in a couple of weeks. And I'll report back yeah, to we gotta, everybody. We got to get back into that. We got to get back into that. So I'll get to that. But we got a great horror story coming up. And what do we got for the college again? Jeff Levine. And he's going to be talking about a number of problems that I've personally experienced in this really hot seller's market. And one of them is buyers and sellers walking away at the closing table, which is a horrendous thing to do. And that's why we're bringing Jeff on, because he understands yeah. the whole market itself. Yep. So we, hang on tight, and we've got a great horror story coming right up. Okay, Kev, what, what do we have for, do we have a really scary horror story for today? It is, it is. You know what, homeowners should be very worried after what I... So everybody thinks they can install windows. I mean, how hard is it that you put a window in, right? You see it all the time. Uh, guys do it all the time. Can't be hard to put it in. Then why are so many horror stories about windows? How many shows have you, Ron, you and I did over the past eight years talking about window problems? Wait, let me guess. Because they're doing them wrong, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, but it, it happens all the time. I was, I was helping somebody out uh, locally also trying to get through understanding how contractors think. So when people talk to me, it's, yeah, I got a certain way, but I still got to talk to the bad contractors to figure out why they do it that way. It's almost complicated when you say, we, we, you did what? How did you install that? Well, this particular scenario that we ran into, somebody sent me some video, and it was also the same video that we did a couple years ago in the show. There's ways of application of a window. You put the rubbers in, you do all your, your, your steps that we talk about on the show, but the windows come with a drip cap. Now, a drip cap is where you have a high volume of water. Uh, the cap goes across the top of the window and it drains the water away from the window from going back into the house. Like a little umbrella over the window, right? Metal right. umbrella. Right, it almost looks like a Z. So imagine yep. a Z where it drops over top of the window. Yep. Well, going back to the job that we did, uh, there was an issue with uh, a, a job where in the development we were working on, he said, I'm really getting a lot of water in this, this house. 
And I said, well, you know, I have to take a look at the windows, but it could be the, the seal fair that happened, like the stucco situation. But let me look at it a little bit further. And the first thing I noticed is this, this can't be happening. The reason why I post these videos is because when I tell people this, there's no possible way that this could be happening. It did happen. When people put a drip cap on the bottom of a window, it collects all the window and completely rotted out the house. And that oh. was one of the videos that we showed, we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. it before, well, somebody just had that same problem. But the problem was the drip cap wasn't installed at the bottom, the windows installed upside down. <laughs> I don't even know, I, I said, look, he got me. I, I, I don't even know what to tell you. How did you hire the guy? How did you get hold of him? Walk me through the scenarios. And it was basically, it was a referral for somebody. I said, did you know the person? Did you talk to the person? Did you ask questions when the, the contractor came out? Listen, I needed one window. I was just trying, I was desperate. I needed one window. So they hired somebody basically off the street and uh, that's what they had got. So the window was purchased by them. They said, we did purchase the window. It was just installed. It was a double hung, but it was installed upside down because my, she said, did, my didn't, didn't the homeowner realize it was upside down? I mean, when you go to open it, there's going to be a problem there, right? Well, when the homeowner opened it, the, the, the window from the top slid right down. Because <laughs> the balusters are tightened up so you can pull them back up, but it just dropped right in. So when we were talking about it, and she said, yeah, the husband said, I, I remember you talking about this uh, drip cap, but I noticed it was on the bottom of the window. I'm like, well, on the bottom? I said, yeah, I, I seen that once. We, we did a show on that, uh, rotted the whole house out. When we were going further into the conversation, I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I, it was a little bit more than that. And I couldn't figure it out. Who, who installs windows upside <laughs> down? But the windows installed upside down. I said, "This, this how definitely many, takes." How many case. were put in that way? Just one. Oh, just so one. Just one okay. window that she had. Uh, she found somebody it was a fly by nighter, and they they put it in wrong. Everybody's a window installer today. Everybody, everybody I talk to you. Listen, I'm I'm a guy that install windows. I talked to him for about two minutes ago. What you're doing is completely wrong. How many jobs have you had callbacks on? Well, a couple of them. We fix them all up. I said, "Well, if, if you're having problems, maybe you want to do it a different way, so you you don't have problems." And now the homeowner's got a problem. Because if they, even if a homeowner doesn't know it's leaking, it could be a slow leak coming into your house. You don't know about it until at such time uh, it shows its ugly face. And then you're gonna have a $10,000 fix because your wall's completely rotted out. These are the things that I try to tell people when it comes to the horror stories. If you do not hire the right contractor from the beginning, this is gonna be a major problem for you. And this is why you're coming on the show saying, what do I gotta do to fix it? Well, the way to only fix it is that you have to rip everything out, start from scratch again, spend all this money over again, go through the aggravation of finding another contractor to do the job right. And it's just not happening. Well, it's like all the horror stories we tell. It's just not happening, right? Yeah. And just it, over and over. And, and, and the, the best thing we can do is just keep telling horror stories so it rubs off and people understand that I've got to really be diligent about who puts my windows in and how they put them in. When I talk to a lot of people, as you know, I do talk to a lot of people. Uh, it's just when you, you, you have a conversation with them, they have, the, it's real simple. Kevin, we love the show, but we didn't do what you said because it's going to cost too much money. Right. And now they got to redo it again. So and, how'd that work out for you, right? And mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> An upside down window. Mm -hmm. That was definitely one of the ones where I said, uh, th this has got to get on the air. So I, nobody wants to come on the, the show and talk about it. They're just going to send the pictures, uh, send everything over. I want to post fine. That's fine. Oh, mm -hmm. absolutely. I, but I am going to send the pictures of the one where the drip cap was installed upside down on the window. The window was installed right. It was uh, close to you where they live. I'm not going to name the name of the development, but uh, the window had a drip cap and it was installed on the bottom. Basically what that did was when the water ran off the window, it collected, and then went back into the house because the drip cap was on the bottom. <laughs> Ron's looking at me like, you gotta be kidding me. Well, yeah, we It's like installing ice and weather shield wall, or not installing it all the way. It's the same kind of thing. But pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Guys that think they're experts, and I've been, had a couple conversations over the past couple of weeks with window experts. 
after you talked to him for a couple of minutes, I'm like, well, that's not the best way to do it. What do you think about this? This was a recent conversation I had. We talked about uh, putting a rubber application in, you're doing it this way. He said, well, that's not really the way to do it. I said, wait, wait, wait a minute, you're, you're telling me that's not the way to do it? You know, you can go on Tyvex website and they're gonna explain the same way. Well, we don't do it that way. And then I started talking about a replacement window and uh, the replacement windows, if you uh, don't caulk them every couple of years, they're gonna leak, is that correct? And I'm trying to explain this with the homeowner and the contractor. Uh, he, he agreed, he said, yeah, it, that is correct. But then the homeowner's like, wait a minute, I gotta do what? Nobody talks about this because everything is about the sale. If I can sell you, then I'm good because I don't need to talk about the installation application because does it doesn't really matter. I'm getting the job, I'm getting my money, and if a couple of years I have a big problem, so I'm out of business. And that's the problem you're seeing today. When you're hiring a contractor that's been around for years, you see their signs for 30 years around, they're doing that for a reason because they've been in business because they're doing a good job. Things can go wrong, but I'm saying they're doing a good job. But when you do this, if you get the right contractor from the beginning and listen to us with these steps of application, it's gonna make your life so much easier. And that's why I always tell people, if you're getting windows, kitchens, bathrooms, anything you're doing, I'll be glad to walk you through the steps of how it's gonna get done because nobody's really doing it this way. And today, the reason why it's so bad, Ron, is because everybody is jumping on the bandwagon. Contracting is hot right now. Everybody's trying to get stuff done. And if they're trying to get stuff done, Big contractors are very busy. So they're trying to call other contractors who are just getting into the business and that's giving us good contractors a real bad name. People that don't know me, when I start talking to them, I wanna get the information. I'm not here to badmouth anybody, I'm not here to put anybody under the bus, but what I want to do is help every homeowner understand when you're getting an estimate, what you're getting. Because you cannot look at the price, you've gotta read first. What are they doing? What's the method of application? Who's doing the work? then look at the price and see if that value is there. And I see it all the time. People just don't yeah, but go you also steps. have to know what's right and wrong. I mean, you could look at it all day long. If you don't understand what's right and wrong, that's a requisite. You have to have, 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 to have that knowledge, right? Um, pretty much, yeah. yeah. And watching videos online just sometimes really doesn't work. It's not going into detail that you need to have. 31 years of experience of me doing this, owning my company, that's my experience. But even I tell people, I'm, I'm still trying to learn every day. Every time I go out there, is there a way for, for me personally to do it better? Something I can do uh, better timing. But if you don't do these steps in the beginning, because years ago I used to tell people, listen, rubber wasn't out. Now it is. So now that it's out, I'm going to be using that product. I'm not going to do a window job without using rubber. But years ago it didn't happen. So my question is to these contractors today that are not using rubber, why? Why not use rubber? Well, to me, logically, there is no reason why. Cost? Well, it's going to be but, more money. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just it's going to be more cost to fix it. Mm-hmm. Well, and a I, lot of aggravation that you really don't need. Well, job security is what I call job security. So uh, for me, especially. But for anybody that's uh, having problems, please contact us here at the show. As we go on throughout the year, we're definitely going to be doing some more colleges where we're going to talk about how to break those estimates down. Right. Uh, but I'd like to get everybody's input. Tell me what you think, and uh, we'll be glad to do it here on the show of Your Valuable Home Podcast. All right, Ron, now it's time for our featured segment. And I, I know it's a big problem coming up we're going to be talking about. What do we got? Well, multiple big problems. Well, we got you, Kevin Kennedy, and Jeff Levine from Keller Williams uh, Real Estate in Bucks County to talk about half dozen problems that have been spawned by this uh, sort of frenzied real estate seller's market right now. It's crazy out there. Bucks County is what I would call a red-hot real estate seller's market and a place to study the problems that are cropping up. Because for one reason, we're so close to New York, Connecticut, Jersey, people are flooding out there. Problem number one, homes are going for far, far more than their value, driven by people fleeing 
places I just talked about, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, and other areas, buyers are standing in line to bid prices up. Have you seen this happening? Absolutely. But I do want to add to that. It's not just that fleeing of the cities that's contributing to it. It's a few different factors. First, let me just tell you that it's actually a nationwide problem. In the country in March, 39% of the houses that sold went over asking price. Not at asking price, but over asking price. 39%, which is crazy. So I've been doing this 37 years and there's never been anything like this before. So it is what you said. People are leaving the cities. People left the cities at the beginning of the pandemic. A lot of them went to their vacation homes and summer homes and stuff. But a lot decided to move out. And mostly because of the fact that they are now untethered to their workplaces. So people have the ability to work from home. And that was discovered. So I have sold so many houses to people from coming in from all around the country. I'm in the process of doing it right now today. In fact, it continues. So it is that. It is people leaving where they are because of they're not having to be in their workplaces on a daily basis. And also there is this move of people moving back to their families. So I've had a lot of people coming back to Bucks County to be their mom and dad and some young people that are about to have babies, but a lot of older people whose parents are in their 80s and they were separated for a year and they said, okay, we're not doing this anymore. We're coming back from LA. We're coming back from Colorado and they're coming home to Bucks County. So that's really interesting to me. I see that happening too in my local area, but I question if this thing, I think there's more. Morgan Stanley this week announced that everybody's going to be back in the office within the next month. What happens if it all turns? What do these people do? I know that the offices are saying that, but you, if you follow the commercial industry in Manhattan, you can see very clearly they're not going to be filling up those offices again. And a lot of people, if they're going to be in the office, it's not five days a week, nine to five. I really think those days are over. So I just don't know if that's going to be have an effect. I do know I've heard about some people who made the move last year who are now saying, oh my God, why did we make the move? But I think that there's just a shift to homework. There's a lot of industries that do not need to be in their office and they don't want them. I mean, the, the companies, Morgan Stanley's big. I mean, they, they might want their people there, but there's a whole lot of companies who don't care and they get rid of that those high-priced rentals in Philadelphia and New York and all around the country, and they're sending their people home. Yeah, it makes you wonder what's going to happen in commercial real estate markets in certain cities. You know? They're having a real, they're having difficulty. I have friends who are commercial brokers in Manhattan, and they're, trust me, they're having difficulty. I do want to mention the, the last thing that's really the primary source of the shortage. Of, there's a shortage of inventory, and one of the reasons why why that is, is that we have the largest buying segment of the population are millennials. So as somebody who's a baby boomer, it's amazing that it's all about millennials to me now. And 54% of our buyers are now millennials and that millennials have money and they are buying. So that's also what's really driving this market. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Let's get to problem number two here. Buyers are making offers on houses sight unseen. It's like, Okay, it's 500000 I'll take it without even saying it, which I think is absolutely crazy. How would you advise a buyer that you represent who had this impulse to do this? What would you say to them? Well, I've done it a few times this year, as a matter of fact, and only once did it not work out, quite frankly. When they flew out to see the house before beforehand, they changed their mind, and that was that was a whole thing. But the other two were perfectly happy, and as a matter of fact, at 1 o'clock today, I'm on my way after I get done talking to you to go do a FaceTime with husband and wife together of a house for 1.5 million. Um, and they will not, they will not, they will submit an offer without seeing that house personally. I mean, I advise people 
oh, the way I advise everybody these days, my job is not sales, but consultation. So I just have to make them very, very clear about what it is. That's my job when I go out and FaceTime them to make sure that they get an idea of what the street is, the backyard, the full picture of the house, to wander through it in a way they can figure out the floor plan. And then they have to understand that they're not physically in the house. I mean, I just have to be very clear. I mean, I had a guy from Florida who didn't see the house until the day of settlement. And trust me, that made me very nervous. Uh, I I mean, yeah, as a real estate agent, it would make me nervous, too. He walked in that day and I said, well, do you like it? (laughs) (laughs) As you're crossing your fingers. Well, yeah, because we're buying it in like in one hour, and that was a six hundred thousand dollar house down in Yardley. Anyway, so I mean, they they are aware of the market. The one thing that buyers have to understand is the temperament of the market, and they have to have the temperament to be in this market. And if they do, then I mean, they, they get it. They they get what they need to do. Okay, and let's move on to problem number three, which I've experienced firsthand, and Kevin took part in this one. And I'll tell you what happened. Buyers are failing to make educated decisions about obvious needed improvements. Case in point, my girlfriend and her daughter bid 275 There was a complete do-over home. I mean, there's no way you would want to live in this house the way it was. Well, unless you wanted to live back at uh, the Brady Bunch days. <laughs> but it's, it was in a respectable neighborhood. They were turned down, and the home went for 515000 You believe this? Kevin, who saw the house, estimated a minimum of $250,000 to make the house livable. I actually came in with a higher estimate than Kevin. That would have put the total at about seven sixty-five in a neighborhood where the houses are selling for six fifty. Why anybody would do that? I mean, I'm baffled by that. Do you see that happening? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you, something happened really strangely in the past, like around three weeks ago, in this crazy market all this past year. It just keeps getting accelerating more and more. And just two or three weeks ago, I saw whole neighborhoods jump up $100,000 dollars in value. The appraisers don't know what to do. I wrote a contract on the house. It was listed for eight ninety. We went in one hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars over asking price and did not get the house. The house sold for one point one. And the truth is, is that neighborhood overnight went from a nine hundred thousand dollar neighborhood to a one point one neighborhood. But, you know, as long as the buyers understand what they're doing, it's okay. It is what it is. I mean, they just have to, they do have to be educated. What you said earlier, I do want to say, here's the problem. They don't have time to think. And that's what's that's so the problem for me. That's the problem. They Everybody I, gets edgy. I, well, and I get edgy. I'm like 10 minutes in, I show my house and say, okay, like, I don't want to tell you we have to write this up in the next hour, but we do. It's the worst position to be in as a realtor, to not be able to say, go home and think about it. Yeah. I'm going to put Kevin on the spot here and try to fill the audience in on what it takes to think this thing through quickly. For these the two problems that we just talked about, can you, Kev, give our listeners some rule of thumb on what it would cost to replace big ticket items? They're the ones that I worry about. Assume, you know, like 2,500, my, my classic example, yeah. 2,500. Lovely 3,000 square foot, foot homes. homes. Okay. The HVA system, what's that cost? Something like that's going to be at about a $10,000 fix if it's all electric. For both. Right. What I'm looking at overall is right now, see, for me to tell you now, and then maybe a year down the line or say even four months prior, Pricing has been through the roof on material. So what I really say to the people when when you're looking at a house, think about the money you're going to be putting to fix it up to get what you want. So you're going to be a couple hundred thousand more at what you paid for, 
plus over top of that, plus now you want to get it fixed up. So Jeff, it, I would go back to you and say, hey, well, listen, uh, these people bought a house, again, example, $500,000 development. Uh, they paid six hundred. They want to fix it up. It's going to be about another $150,000 for me to come in and, and just get it what's called livable. Maybe a little bit more if they want to go kitchens and everything else. How do we get into that real estate where real estate itself are getting so costly that if you talk, you know, saying about a roof, or so a roof could be about a $10,000 fix for that. Uh, windows. Maybe more, right? Yeah, I just yeah. spent 8500 on mine. My house is only about 2,600 square feet. How about windows? Windows could average anywhere between, uh, if you get a vinyl window, a $700 vinyl window, you can go up to $2,000 for another high-end window with all the trim. Yeah, 20 windows in a house. You're going to be at the $35,000 for high-end windows. You'll be about 18000 for vinyl. Is that with labor? Yeah, That's labor supply install. Okay. And how about the cladding system? Again, exteriors, what are you picking? So if it's a cheap vinyl, you're going to be about $20,000. You're going to be at 30000 for a higher vinyl. And it could be at the thirty-five for uh, like a hardy board or a cement siding. In cases of a septic system, this can be a horror show, right? No, that's what I'm learning right now. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not having a horror story. I am. I get it because I had to do it because I put the, the addition on my house uh, for my in-law. So I already knew how to put a septic system. And that's going to be running about thirty to 35000 for everything. So you just can't look at the septic system. You got to look at all the landscaping that you got to do, the modifications yeah. to your property. All that gets rolled into the house. So we just talked about at least 200 to 225 grand right there. If you want a house up to specs, because everybody, Jeff, you're finding this, everybody's doing home improvements right now. Everybody wants that beautiful house soon as they move in, correct? Yeah, which is the reason why I understand the lumber is so sky high, because everybody stayed home buying lumber and doing stuff, so there's a shortage of lumber, and that's through the roof, right, Kevin? Yeah, that's a, it's over 325% from when I picked just for my house, the plywood. I was just at the, with the box store, $67 a sheet for a sheet of plywood. That's amazing. That's amazing. I've never seen, I, I, I equated it to over $11 a gallon of gas from one year. If that makes any sense to people that you're paying over $11 for gas, that's what we're paying for plywood. That's how which expensive is why, it is. Which is why I know it's so hard for you guys to give a quote. I just had somebody, a client of mine, call me and the guy would only like to leave the quote out there for like two weeks. And I said, well, you can't blame them. They can't give you a number. And then wood goes up another like, you know, 100% and they're, and they're committed to the job. It's tough right now, but nobody's going to take a loss on the job. Everybody's so busy right now. But here's one a little question I like to throw in. If these homes are going for more than 20%, 30% more than what they were valued for, I'm going back a couple of years. Do you remember when the housing market started to collapse and the prices dropped considerably? Oh, yeah. Everybody was ref- yeah. was uh, getting their house appraised to lower the taxes. There's going to be a, re- a day of reckoning here. Jeff, do you see that coming? No. No. Okay, that's interesting. Explain that. I'll try and make this as brief as I can. And just let me tell you that I'm not just a realtor. I'm a student of real estate. So I really do study this stuff. The fundamentals are so different than they were in 2008. And that was all about the mortgages. That was a mortgage problem, all of which has been resolved. So our economy is strong. We went into COVID with a strong economy. We came out of the strong economy. And real estate was not only not affected, it was the driving factor in the economy. And there's nothing in the numbers that will make that change. These demographics I talked about, about millennials, the inventory is not going to shift around. This is not something that's going to happen overnight. If there's a shift in the economy, it usually takes seven to 10 years anyway. So, I mean, my question to buyers is always this, how long are you going to be in the house? If you think you're moving in and out in one year, this is not a wise buy. But if this is your forever home or home for 10 to 20 years, that appreciation has always been there. So where home prices have appreciated on an average of 3 to 5% of year for all of my career, this past year, they appreciated 15% year over year. The estimates are that they will that will drop down to maybe 10% in 2022. Maybe it'll still run double in the next couple of years beyond that. So all the people who are smarter than me and that I follow and read 
about. This is actually not a bubble, what we're experiencing. It's been called bubble-ish because it looks like what could be a bubble and everybody's fearful of that. But there's not the rot underneath that there was with the mortgage financing that created the problem in 2000. Yeah, that was, a, that was an absolute mess. I mean, is it possible that areas along the East Coast here can turn into, and some of them have already, like the, the suburbs around D.C. can turn into like a Los Angeles where houses... An 800-square-foot house is going to go for well over a million dollars. Well, is that going to happen here? That. It's, it's funny you say that because I've said, this, I've said this so many times in my office. I just say we're all L.A. now. That's the thing that I find interesting. So Bucks County, the pricing is, I mean, because I have friends out in California, it's insane what you have to spend. A million dollars gets you a hut, right? Like, it's just, it's unbelievable. So I really think that we're all L.A. now. It's nationwide. And, of course, your dollars are worth more in Idaho than they are in Bucks County. But we have never really had a significant decrease in pricing in Bucks County. We have had a little bit of a stutter. We have flattened. We have never tanked as they did in Vegas in 2008. But as I say, in 2008, it was about something else. It was about the lending practices and all that's been corrected. So, yeah, I, th- I think these housing prices just continue to go up and up and up. I mean, it seems insane. When you're thinking about New York, so let's say New York City. Hey, I'm a contractor. I want to do a kitchen. You're at $100,000 just for somebody to walk in the door. You mean in the city itself? In the city itself. So if that pricing's coming down here, what's it going to do for the contractor trying to sell a job? Uh, The rates when people start talking about a little more money because the houses are more money, so maybe contractors are going to demand to get that more money. What do you think that's going to do to the contractors and the homeowners when they see they're spending more money? Because even though they're paying for that more in the house, the income's still being, it's the same down here. It's not like New York City. So if you're working around locally here, on average, New York City is going to be much more. So you have that more available cash to do that. But down here, I I don't see that happening. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because that New York money, I I hate to pick on New Yorkers, but that New York money, wherever it goes, it kind of like ruins the environment. I vacation in a place in the summertime and New Yorkers have discovered it and they overpay for everything. And they're just, they're so used to a different number that it just kind of drives so much. What are the homeowners going to see when the contractors start raising their prices because they're going to meet the demand of these higher priced homes? Well, Kevin, you know this. So I think it's always up to all of us to explain our value. So I think that people pay for value. I don't think that there are those people who are always shopping for the discount. And, you know, as a realtor, there are discount realtors. And if people want to go use one of those, go right ahead. I know what I do for my, I know what my value is. And I know your work, Kevin. So you pay for the value. And I think that this is a segment of the population that understands that. So that's, I, I think people are going to pay what they need to pay to get the job done well. Right. I don't think that changes. Yeah. This show here is definitely educating a lot of people to understand what you're going to be paying with value. Well, the other factor there is if you if you were in a rising uh, neighborhood in terms of values, you're not going to cheap it out because you want to keep up with the the value of the houses in the neighborhood. Right. So you pay the contractor. No, I've I've seen some people go into these high end homes and literally destroy their homes. Uh, Just poor workmanship. A lot of times these contractors don't understand how to do a job. Yes, they can swing a hammer. They think they can install drywall and paint. We get that. But there's method of application that needs to be done in a certain way. If it's not done that way, it, it, it snowballs. And I've been in these large homes where people paid a lot of money to these contractors who were newer contractors that butchered the job up so much. And we've got a couple more horror stories that I just figured out I would be putting them on the air very soon. They just called in. But again, these are million dollar homes. 
and the homeowner will pay the price when they go to sell the house and they will go to sell the house someday. Everybody thinks they're in their house forever, but that's not the case. They will call me in five or seven years. And trust me, we all walk into a house and we see where those corners don't mean the tiles off. And the, I mean, it's so apparent when what buyers are looking for. So that cheaping out of the contractors while you're in the house is going to kill you when you go yeah, it does make sense doesn't make sense problems number four and five and you've got one jeff i understand that you want to talk about problem number six but four and five i think are insidious a seller comes to closing refusing to sell the house for the agreed to price because the market recently escalated the valuation by tens of thousands of dollars and they walk away from settlement what good is going to happen from that? I've never heard of such a thing. So here, so, and I'll tell you why. So, and that's fine. I mean, they can go ahead and do that, but they can be sued for what's called specific performance, which is not an easy thing to win, but it, it can be done. They do have a contract. Uh, the con- contracts matter. The price on the contract is the price that you agree to. It doesn't matter what the market does in the meantime. If the values went down, would they give the buyer back money? I mean, it's kind of just crazy. But here's the one thing that I do know. They may not want to sell that house, but they're going to pay me my commission because I've done my job. So not only are they, are they going to lose realtors fees because realtors will sue them for commission, they, they don't just get to change their mind. So contracts are contracts, buyers and sellers. Contracts are contracts. You don't get to, I mean, there are time frames, there are obligations on both sides. And that's why one needs to use a good realtor who uses Pennsylvania Association of Realtors forms. So everything is legit. And you just can't. You, you don't get to say, I didn't get enough of the house. I'm not selling it tomorrow. Well, I, I would <laughs> I think that'd be that due to a bad realtor. There are bad realtors out there that don't know what they're doing. No, I mean, my buddy My buddy was not dissing the realtor. He, he said everything was right about it, and it's the people who, want, who are going to sell the house. I'm going to ask him to find out from the realtor if they're going to take any action against them. Because it's just, it's nuts. Not, as, wait a realtor, I, you, as a realtor, you have to, your brokerage is going to want to, not the realtor specific, specifically, your broker. And as, and, and as a member of Pennsylvania Association of Realtors and National Association of Realtors, we have to. We can't allow that to happen. All right. Well, here's a real doozy for you, right? This he one loves ha- doing this. I've been it? involved in this personally. It's not my house. And I'm not going to tell you whose house it is. A buyer comes to closing. This is for like a pretty substantial house. Buyer comes to closing with no money and a convoluted story. It was supposed to be a cash deal. Then the buyer gets all upset because he wanted the person to rent him the house for a while until he got his money together. And then the buyer gets upset and he walks at closing. Have you ever heard of that one before? And he loses his deposit money. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. So that's, so that, I mean, a buyer can be in default and loses deposit money. And then it depends upon, now here's where good realtoring comes in. There's a thing called box number 26G that you check off that says that a seller is limited to retaining sums paid by the buyer, including deposit monies as liquidated damages. So if you don't check that off, then the buyer can be then the buyer can be sued for anything. But if that's checked off, the seller gets to retain the deposit monies, and that's all. If it's not checked off, the buyer can sue them for whatever they have, and they probably don't have anything anyway. But, well, no, um, no, that's not the case in this case. Well, as I said, the contracts are the contracts. So if if box twenty six is checked, you got a good case. 
Yeah, Box 26 actually says sellers limited to retaining the sums of money paid by the buyer, including deposit monies as liquidated damages. So that's what's called damages, and they are limited to only that. But they definitely get the deposit money. They just are not able to go further and sue them for whatever. I'm going to definitely pass that on. One needs to know the contract. (laughs) It's important. Okay. All right. Now, there's... There's also a problem uh, that I, I mean, I can't I can't wrap my mind around either of those situations. I can't either. I mean, if it was me in either of those situations, I would have gone absolutely ballistic. Well, you know what? I, I, here's where I can give advice to people that are going to be buying homes. Uh, this is why I talk to Jeff. I put everything to the realtor because I trust the realtor. So when you have somebody like Jeff, you're going to get everything you could possibly get because he knows what he's doing. And I've dealt with realtors where they have no clue what they're doing. They're not there for the sale of uh, the home. They're there for their money. That's all they're looking at. And if you hire the right realtor from the beginning, a lot of these problems are going to be alleviated because the the people today, uh, they're not really sure about what they're really getting into. That's why having a good realtor to walk you through these steps to make sure everything's in place, it's going to make it a lot easier for you. Yeah, yeah, true, 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 true. Yeah, true. But in both these situations, the realtor really couldn't have done much about it. If he gets blindsided just like the buyer does or the seller does, what's he going to do about it? Ron, I will say this. As as a realtor, you develop instincts about clients. And so if I'm working with what I like to just call as a headline, a wise guy who thinks he's going to do something funny. I mean, I'm a very ABCD kind of a guy. And uh, in pool, I don't mind playing a bank shot, but in real estate, I don't like playing a bank shot. I like to shoot it straight in. So if I start getting those questions on the phone from somebody, well, I'm thinking I can do this and I'm thinking I can do that. So I say to them, well, I'm thinking I'm not the realtor for you because that's not how I work. So so the one thing that a realtor can do is become perceptive about who they're working with, who you're in business with matters. So buyers and sellers should have a good agent and agents should have good buyers and sellers. I agree 100%. We went through five problems that have really, really raised their ugly head during this the seller's market. Jeff, you highlighted still another problem with big companies who are getting, getting in on the seller's market frenzy by selling leads to real estate professionals. Can you fill us in on that? Yeah, it's. I mean, this came up, I think um, Kevin put this out recently, and I responded um, just about these, ag- what are called aggregator companies. And some of those, we, we know who they are. Zillow is the big one, and Redfin and Hauser and Homelight. And I'm not here to knock anybody specifically. But, but I will say they're not in the real estate business. They're in the business of monetizing other people's data. Zillow uses the hard work of realtors on the ground to sell leads back to the realtors who created the leads to begin with. And there are all kinds of realtors who don't know how to find opportunities for themselves, who pay Zillow a lot of money, and that's where Zillow's money comes from. You know, the consumer doesn't pay Zillow anything. It's realtors who pay for for, for what's called Zillow for what's called Zillow leads. And that's because they're realtors who don't know how to do the business in any other way. And quite frankly, I will say real quickly that my company, uh, Gary Keller at Keller Williams Real Estate, who is the only independently owned large company, every other company that you can think of that has a big name attached to it is owned by either hedge fund guys or Wall Street. So they're, they're not in the business of real estate anymore either but my company is, we intend to remove all of our listings from Zillow once we hit 20% of the market and we're almost there. 
because these people are making money off of the hard work of agents on the ground. So it's just an interesting phenomenon. I mean, on the other end of it, I mean, I'm always up against this with Redfin and Zillow and Zestimates and how they determine value of a house without ever seeing it. They just operate in a very, very different way. They're just algorithms. They're just they're just very, very wide nets. They're very impersonal. And they're wrong. They're just not correct. I mean, the one thing we all know is that real estate is local, right? Location, 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 and it's very local. And even though there are national trends, it's not even local to a town. It's kind of local to a block. Like if you're selling a house in Doylestown, what street you're on will determine the value of your home, not just the town. So you understand, and then condition, which Zilla doesn't get to see the condition, nor Redfin or Hauser or home, like that big AI thing going on in the country, you know, right now, Facebook's talk in the land about how they operate and everything it's a very new world right it's a brave new world but when it comes to real estate it's just it's very misleading for the consumer they don't know and i and i get that there's no reason for them to know yeah well the reason i brought that up was because contractors over the past couple years have been finding the same problem good contractors because there's these online referral companies stating that you're going to get the best contractor they're going to know what they're talking about I, I was going on a couple of times just doing my investigating going, I don't even know these people. These aren't local companies. I've been in this industry for 32 years, almost uh, just in this area. I never heard of them. So when somebody started complaining to me about some, it was online referrals and they were complaining about the realtor wasn't very good. They were very uh, shallow to them. They just wanted the money. That's, that's all I was looking for was just that sale. Well, this looks great, let's sell. That's all it was. It wasn't that personal attention. And that's why I wanted to put it out there. And I knew Jeff was going to chime in. That's why I put him on the uh, list. Basically, it's coming from an expert. Doesn't it make it difficult? I mean, it just, I understand how it works these days, but you no, know, a Yelp review or a home light review. And when I Google, if I, if I need like a chimney sweep and I just, and I do the Google, you know, I do the same thing. Like, let's see who comes up. And it's, it's just interesting. Like some of the people who I know that are so good in the industry don't come up. And then there are all these other people who've paid to be on that site. So it's, it's just a really hard thing that we all are coming up against in our industries. I call it advertising. These people, I always look at it as a contractor cannot sell himself. He's a new in the industry. What's he going to do? He's going to have to get some advertising somehow. And that's the way they go after it. And that's, in my opinion, that's the worst way to pick a contract, especially when you get the reviews. I had somebody call me. They said, well, I, I, I didn't read any reviews on you. I said, well, I've been around a while. I, I, I'll go further on how to, to get that. But if you're going to find a contractor based on reviews, who wrote those reviews? Did mommy and daddy write exactly, those reviews? Yeah. Nobody knows. They're just reading off those reviews, and it's it's not a good way to do it. With this seller's market, this hyper seller's market right now, it's kind of like the old American gold rush. You got people out there, you know, with their new picks and shovels, looking for every last nugget, and that those are the guys who are going out with the AI trying to yeah. If you want to do it, leads, just stop complaining. Leads, yeah. That's all I want to do. Stop complaining. If you want to do it, do it right and get a great realtor. Jeff, this has been wondrous interview and uh, very very informative and a little scary. Thank you very very much. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be on. Thank you both. All right. Well, thanks for coming on Your Valuable Home podcast. That's this week's podcast. Your Valuable Home comes to you every week on the New Pod City Podcast Network, Apple Podcast, and all other popular podcast directories. If you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story, email me at kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. That's kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. And don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. 